0: Tertia by Peter Chapter 23, Part 3, Read by Fred Flanagan Comments on the quotations from Dr Buck's book When I quote a doc's opinion about the three coming revolutions, I must say that I do not at all share his optimism regarding social life which he makes out can and must change through material causes, conquest of the air and social revolution. The only possible basis for favourable changes in external life, if such changes are possible at all, can only be changes in the inner life, that is those changes which Dr Buck Buck calls the Psychical Revolution. This is the only thing that can create a better future for all people. All cultural achievements in the domain of the material are double-edged and may equally serve either good or evil. Only a change in consciousness itself can be a guarantee that the abuse of powers given by culture will cease and culture will no longer be a growth of barbarism. Democratic organisation and the normal rule of the majority guarantee nothing. On the contrary, even now whenever they are put into practice if only in name they are needed to produce and promise to produce on a still larger scale in the future violence, Curtailment of individual rights and restriction of liberty. Two, Dr. Buck says that once human consciousness is attained, further evolution is inevitable. In assuming this, Dr. Buck is making a mistake common to all people who dogmatize the idea of evolution. Having drawn a very correct sketch of the consecutive gradations of the observed forms of consciousness of animal, vegetable, man, Dr. Buck regards this entirely in the light of the evolution of one form out of another, completely ignoring the possibility of other points of view. For example, he ignores the possibility that each of the existing forms may be a link in a separate evolutionary chain, that is, that the evolutions of animal, vegetables of animals and of man are different evolutions following different courses, and do not pass one into this point of view is entirely justifiable if we take into consideration the fact that transitory forms are never known to us. Further Dr. Buck makes an altogether arbitrary assumption concerning the inevitability of the further evolution of man. The unconscious evolution of the vegetable and animal kingdoms that is unconscious for the individual directed by the consciousness of the species is no longer possible the appearance of thinking in man, we must admit that human mind depends on itself much more than the mind of the animal. Human mind has much more power over itself and can help its own evolution as well as hinder it. The general question is: can unconscious evolution be maintained in the appearance of thinking? It would be much more correct to think that the appearance of thinking abolishes the possibility of an unconscious Evolution power over evolution passes from the spirit of the species or from nature to the individual. Further evolution, if it takes place, can no longer be the result of primordial and unconscious causes but will depend on conscious efforts towards growth. This is the most interesting thing in the whole process, but Dr. Buck does not point it out. Man who does not strive towards evolution, who is not conscious of its possibilities, not helping it, will not evolve. And an individual who does not evolve does not remain in a static state, but goes down, degenerates. That is, certain of his elements begin their own evolution hostile to the whole. This is a general law and we consider a very small percentage of men thinking are capable of thinking about their evolution or are striving towards higher things and we shall see that the talk of the inevitability of that evolution is at least naive. 3. Speaking of the formation of a higher faculty of perception and thinking, Dr. Buck leaves out one very important circumstance. He himself remarks previously that there takes place in the mind a blending of concepts with emotional elements, the result of which is in new understanding and then cosmic consciousness. Thus it follows from his own words that conscious, cosmic consciousness is not merely a blending of concepts with emotional elements or of ideas with feelings but is the result of this blending but Dr. Buck does not give this point sufficient attention and further on regards the fundamental mental element of Cosmic Consciousness as the blending of Percepts, Recepts and Concepts with elements belonging to Emotional Nature. This however is already wrong because it is not simply a blending of thought and feeling but the result of blending. For in other words it is thought and feeling plus something else that is not to be found either in the intellect or in the emotional state. But Dr Buck regards the new faculties of understanding and feeling as the product of the evolution of the existing faculties and thus deprives all his deductions of value. Imagine that a scientist from another planet who does not suspect the existence of man studies a horse in its evolution from a pole to a riding horse and sees the highest degree of its evolution in a horse with a man on its back. From that point of view it is clear it is impossible to regard the man in the salad saddle as a fact of equine evolution. But the point of view of a scientist who doesn't know about man it will be only logical. Dr. Bucket is in exactly the same position when he takes as a fact of human evolution that which transcends the domain of the end. A man who possesses Cosmic Consciousness or approaches Cosmic Consciousness is no longer simply a man, but a man plus something higher. Dr. Barker is also in many instances, with carpenter is hinted by a desire, not to go too sharply, against the usual accepted views, though that is inevitable, by a desire to reconcile the accepted views with the new thought, to smooth down contradictions, to reduce everything to one, which of course is as impossible, to reconcile the true and the false, the correct and the incorrect, The greater part of Dr. Buck's book consists of examples and fragments from the teaching and writings of men of cosmic consciousness in the world history. He draws parallel between these teachings and establishes the unity of the forms of transition into the new state of consciousness in men belonging to different centuries and peoples. The unity of their sensations of the world and themselves testifying more than anything else to the genuineness and reality of their experiences. The founders of world religions, prophets, philosophers, poets in Buck's book, these are men of cosmic consciousness, he does not pretend to give a complete list, and one could certainly add many more names to it, but after all what is important is not the imperfections of Buck's book, nor the amendments which could be made to it, the important thing is the general conclusion which Dr. Buck draws about the possibility and newness of the new consciousness. He tells us that new humanity is near at hand. We build without taking into account the fact that a new master must come, who may or may not approve of all we have built. Our social sciences, sociology etc. have only man in view. Yet as I have already pointed out many times, man is a composite concept, including in itself categories of men whose paths are completely different and the future belongs not to man but to superman who is already born and lives among us A higher race is rapidly arising from the bulk of humanity and arising through its own peculiar understanding of the world and of life It may be a higher race, there will be no possibility of any falsification, any substitution, any usurpation Nor will it be possible for anything to be bought nor appropriated by deceit or force, and not only is this race coming but is already here. Men approaching the transition to this new race are already beginning to recognise one another. Watchword signs and countersigns are already being established. And maybe the social and political problems so acutely thrust forward by our times will be solved on quite a different plane and in a totally different manner and Dr. Bach makes a very grave mistake in speaking about self-consciousness. In his opinion, simple consciousness is a characteristic of an animal and self-consciousness is a characteristic of man. As a matter of fact, a prolonged self-consciousness during sensing, during sensing or feeling is a very rare phenomenon in man. As a rule, what is called self-consciousness is simply a thought that takes place per factum. True self-consciousness exists in men only as a potentiality, and if it manifests at all, does so only at moments, these momentary flashes of self-consciousness should be distinguished from prolonged self-consciousness. Prolonged self-consciousness is already a new consciousness it brings with it the moments of possibility of moments of cosmic consciousness which in its turn may with further development become prolonged. We think, namely, by the appearance on the stage of a new race, consciousness of itself which will then judge the old race. In my comments I pointed out certain defects of Dr Buck's book arising chiefly from a kind of irrelevant resolution, a fear to admit the paramount importance of higher consciousness. This fear lies at the basis of Dr Buck's desire to view the future of humanity from the positivist standpoint, basing it on political and social revelations, but this view has lost all value. In the bloody epoch we are now going through, the bankruptcy of materialism, that is, logical systems in the organizing of life, is becoming self-evident even to those people who only yesterday were extolling culture and civilization. It becomes increasingly clear that changes in the external life, that is, changes in the life of the many, if they must come at all, will come as a result of changes in the field. Further, taking Dr. Buck's book as a whole, we may say that having assumed the natural growth of consciousness, he does not notice the fact that the unfolding of these faculties is not a natural process, but that it requires conscious work. Dr. Buck does not mention at all any conscious efforts in this direction. He does not speak of the idea of the culture of Cosmic Consciousness. Yet, there exists a whole series of psychological teachings, occultism, yoga and so on, and a volume of his literature having to view precisely this systematic culture of higher Consciousness. Dr. Buck does not seem to notice this, although he himself touches upon it several times, and continues to take his stand on the idea of natural growth. At one point in his book, he speaks very contemptuously about the use of narcotics for the creation of ecstatic states, not taking into consideration the fact that narcotics cannot give a man anything he has not already got, which explains the totally different effect of narcotics on different people. All they can do in certain cases is to reveal that which is already in a man's soul. This circumstance completely alters the view of narcotics as Professor James has shown in his book, The Varieties of Religious Experience. On the whole, carried away by the evolutionary point of view and fixing his eyes on the future, Dr. Buck, like many others, does not pay sufficient attention to the present. Yet the new consciousness which man find, may find or awaken in himself is naturally more important for him than the consciousness which may or may not appear in other men thousands of years hence. Examining from different standpoints the complex forms of the manifestations of spirit. spirit. Analyzing the views and opinions of different thinkers we are constantly confronted with what seems to be gradual phases or consecutive stages of development we find that these st- stages or phases are four in number. Examining further the living world known to us from the lowest living organism to man we see the simultaneous existence of all the four forms of consciousness to which all other aspects of inner life correspond space-sense, time-sense, form of activity and so on further examining the higher type of man we see in him the presence of all the four forms of consciousness which exist in living nature with corresponding forms of consciousness latent consciousness similar to our instincts and subconscious feelings Simple consciousness and flashes of thought, thinking, moments of self consciousness and flashes of cosmic consciousness, self consciousness and beginning of cosmic consciousness, higher type of man, living world, cells, groups of cells, plants and lower animals, organs and parts of the bodies of higher animals, and animals possessing complex organisms, absence of awareness of death. Man, awareness of death or fantastic theories of immortality, higher types of man, beginnings of immortality, cells, groups of tissues, cells and organs of the body, body instinct, appetites, voices of the body, emotions, simple emotions and logical reasoning, higher emotions, higher intellect, mystical knowledge. The simultaneous existence of all the four forms of consciousness at once both in nature and in the higher type of man renders the exclusively evolutionary point of view too strained and artificial. The evolutionary point of view is often simply a refusal to face a difficult problem, a desire to avoid thinking too much. This is the reason why the evolutionary point of view is often applied when there is no need of whatever. Very often it is a compromise of thought. Not understanding the existing variety of forms and their interconnection, not knowing how to think of it all as unity, people seize upon the evolution view and regard the variety of forms as an ascending ladder. This view is of course derived not from real facts but desire at all cost to systematise what they observe, be it even on entirely artificial grounds. People think if they construe a system they already know something. But in reality, absence of a system is very often nearer to true knowledge than an artificial system. Evolutionists who are incapable of understanding the whole without representing to themselves as a chain, each link of which is derived from another link are like the blind men in the eastern tale who feel an elephant from the sides and that's One the elephant is like pillars, another is like a thick rat, and so on. Evolution said to this the elephant's truck must have evolved from his legs, the ears from the trunk, and so on. But after all we know that all this is an elephant, one single being, unknown to the blind men. Just such a single being is the living world, and with regard to forms of consciousness, it is much more correct to regard them not as consecutive stages, nor as phases of evolution distinct from one another but as different sides or pans of one whole which we do not know in man this unity is self-evident all the forms of consciousness can exist in him simultaneously the life of the cells and organs with their consciousness the life of the whole body taken as one The Life of Emotions and Logical Reason and the Life of Higher Forms of Consciousness The Higher Form of Consciousness is necessary for the organisation of life on Earth as we are already beginning to see. For a long time under the rule of materialism and positive thought, people forgot or distorted religious ideas and thought it possible to live by logical reason alone. And now little by little it becomes evident to those who have eyes to see that people left at the mercy of logical reasoning only are incapable of organising their life on earth. And if they do not finally exterminate one another, as did some Polynesian tribes, they will at any rate create and have already created utterly impossible conditions of life in which everything gained will be lost. That is, Everything that was given to them by men of self consciousness and cosmic consciousness. The living world of nature, including man, is analogous to man and is much more convenient and correct to regard the different forms of consciousness in the different parts and strata of living nature, not as separate and evolving from one another, but as belonging to one organism and fulfilling functions which although different or interconnected, in that case the necessity for all naïve theorising on the subject of evolution disappears. After all, we do not regard the organs and limbs of a man's body as evolved from one another in a given individual, and we must do the same with relation to the organs and limbs of the body of living nature. I do not deny the law of evolution, but it means something quite different and its application for the purpose of explaining many phenomena of life stand in need of drastic corrections. First of all, even if we accept the idea of one general evolution, we still have to bear in mind that the types lagging behind the remnants of evolution may not continue the same evolution. At a slow pace in the rear, may start their own evolution in many cases developing precisely those properties for which they were thrown out of the main evolution. Second, in accepting the law of evolution there is no need to regard all existing forms as derived one from another. It would be much more correct in such cases to regard them all as the higher types of their own evolution. The absence of transitive forms renders this view much more likely than the view which is usually accepted and which provide such rich material for dissertations on the obligatory, and inevitable perfection of everything. Perfection from our point of view. The views out here line here and the idea of the living world as one organism are naturally more difficult than the ordinary evolutionary point of view. But one should try to overcome this difficulty. I've already said that the real world is bound to be illogical. From an ordinary point of view, and can never be plain and simple to all and sundry. The theory of evolution requires many amendments and needs to be expanded and amplified. If we take the existing forms on any one plane, some of will no doubt have evolved from the lower forms, others will have resulted from the degeneration of higher forms. A third category will have formed from the remnants of some evolved form, and a fourth resulting from infiltration to that plane of properties and characteristics of a higher plane. In this case, these complex forms cannot be regarded as the product of evolution taking place on the original plane. The table appended will show more clearly the correlation of different forms of manifestation of consciousness. First form a sense of one-dimensional space in relation to the external world. Everything takes place as if were on one line. Sensations are not differentiated. Consciousness is immersed in itself, in its work of feeding, assimilating and digesting food and so on. This is the state of the cells, groups of cells, tissues and organs of an animal body, of plants and lower organisms. In man this is the instinctive mind. Second form, a sense of two-dimensional space. This is the state of an animal. What is for us the third dimension is for it motion. It already senses and feels, but does not think. Everything except it sees seems to it equally real. The world for it is full of non-existent, illusory motion, motion, life, and flashes of thought in man. Third form, a sense of three-dimensional space, logical thinking, a philosophical division of I and not I. Dogmatic religions and dualistic spiritualism, codified morality, division of spirit and matter, positivist science, idea of evolution, mechanical universe, understanding of cosmic ideas as metaphors, historic materialism, imperialism, socialism, and so on, subjugation of the individual to society and law, automatism. Death is the exhaustion of personality, intellect and flashes of self-consciousness Fourth form, beginning of the understanding of four dimensional space New conception of time, possibility of more prolonged self-consciousness Flashes of cosmic consciousness The idea and at times the sensation of a living universe Striving towards the miraculous and the sense of the infinite beginning of volitional self-consciousness and flashes of cosmic consciousness. Thus the third form embraces that man who is studied by positivistic science, and the fourth form refers to man who is already beginning to pass out of the field a vision of positivism and logical understanding. There is an extra note at the end of the chapter and it reads, The table at the end of the book is a summing up of the contents of the entire book and shows more in detail the correlation of the observed forms of consciousness in the living world and in man. This is available in a copy of the text. End of chapter 23